Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, Amy and her guest host, Michael Cook, talk with Queens of Drag, Red Rum, Jolena Jasmine, and Lady Celestine about performing in New Jersey versus New York, maintaining their business in the age of COVID, and the tight-knit drag community on the Jersey Shore. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the Deputy Mayor of the City of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Tuesday, November 10th, and you're listening to Asbury Pod. And I am very excited for our guest host, Michael Cook, who has been our guest host before, who I hope is going to do another little introduction of himself. Of um, shoot. Uh, Michael Cook, I've been in town probably more years than I care to mention. And uh, I'm a writer. I write for the World of Wonder, the Huffington Post, Instinct Magazine. I was the former editor, uh, entertainment editor at Out in Jersey Magazine. And uh, I'm the head judge for Miss Paradise probably for the past, I don't know, six or seven years. And uh, I love watching and love supporting these girls for as long as I can remember, before most of them probably were old enough to be in bars. And how happy are we all? Well, certainly I'm extraordinarily happy that this election is at least appears to be on its way over because I was oh, in the local completely. one. And when you're weeks. in, oh my God, when you're in the local election, whoever, whether it's like Obama, who everybody loves, or Trump, who, you know, arguably yep. people don't, when you are running in that local election, you get the baggage from presidential. So my right. friend Jackie Sharp used to joke with me mm. all the time. You had to be in the fucking presidential election, Amy, right? You had to be in that fucking cycle because people, <laughs> because you get all, you get not only the normal Asbury Park baggage, which yep. is taxes, down. schools. Yeah, you get right. the national baggage. So when we were doing door to door, we were getting people who hadn't worked for six months and were losing their house and. Well, look who's COVID. at the door. Right, right. Yes, right. yeah. So I right. cannot, I am so glad that at least my local election is is basically over and we, you know, we feel we're at really high numbers. So we feel really good. Um, so I want to welcome everybody to the podcast. And I would love each of you to do a little bit of an introduction, if you don't mind, for people who don't know you. Who wants to go uh, for? I'll go first. Hello, everybody. My name is Richard Elliott, otherwise known as Red Rum. Um, I have been in the Asbury Park drag scene, the New Jersey drag scene, for the past six years now. I don't have any claims to titles except Miss Congeniality 2017 for Miss Paradise. Um, other than that, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm something. <laughs> <laughs> 
And is it, so, can I ask you, is it something like you, you, you're going for a title? You, you're looking for a title. That's, that is no, like the no, ultimate I, goal. Oh, that's not. No, no. Every, I'm, I'm confident Liz Elsina and Joanna will speak on this also, but every one of us has a goal when it comes to drag. It's not necessarily a title for everybody. It's not necessarily winning a crown for everybody. Uh, I would say my ultimate goal is to uh, educate on drag and how to become a drag queen in a more professional sense. Um, that's really what I want to do down the line. Possibly have class, like literal college classes on it. That's something I'm kind of working towards. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. Who's next? My light is all fucked up. So you're going to see me switching <laughs> lights like five times because I'm in a different room. And anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to keep you on your feet on light because I'm fucking around with my light. There you are. There you go. Um, I guess I'll go next. My name is Jolena Jasmine. Well, my boy name is Todd. My drag name is Jolena Jasmine. I've been doing drag for about, I want to say a little over 12 years, 12, 13 years. Um, I, my first drag title was Miss Long Island Newcomer and then uh, Miss L.I. Eagle, which is a bar up in Long Island. Um, I'm a former and still, I guess, current reigning Miss Icon and I'm a former Miss Paradise. Um, and like Red, my goals are really just pretty much to educate on the art of drag and self-expression. Um, and lately more so, I've been getting more vocal politically when in drag. Um, so that's that's me in a, in a nutshell. Really? Really? Yeah. You political? You political? Me no. political? I'm more political out of drag, but I feel like <laughs> it's important to be more political in drag. I have a bigger audience when I'm in drag. Very true. Yeah. And I'm Lady Celestina. You don't get to know my government name. Um, <laughs> I've been doing drag one year less than red, whatever number she said. What was, what'd you say? Six? I've been doing it for five years. Um, I am the top-hatted Broadway diva of New Jersey. Um, and this is, we're all saying our goals, uh, like this is some weird support group right now. Uh, my goal, <laughs> <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> mostly my goal is, ju is just to make drag as accessible as possible. I want everyone to experience the art and the magic that's drag and mm -hmm. be able to bring that to new audiences before they go into bars and clubs. I thought you were going to say it before they died. I'm like, that is so <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, a drag show at a retirement home. Let's get it, let's get it to happen. There hell. you go. Not now. And do straight people come to drag shows? <sighs> yeah. I'll let the girls no, take that a, one. There's a lot of puffing <laughs> not, and puffing not, on not this question. Not at all. Uh, Joanna, you can take this part if you want. Yeah, there's some people <laughs> that come to drag shows, most of which don't know how to conduct themselves to drag shows, but there's also straight people who do drag. So you get like a little bit of both. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it yeah. kind of, it kind of, it's kind of, it's a bad comparison, but it's kind of like being at the zoo. They want to touch them and look at your hair and look at your clothes and let's take a picture. They kind of treat them as like it's a doll. Mm. It's, it can kind of border on disrespectful sometimes. Well, I think it's the same um, with the bachelorette parties at Paradise. Where it's, it's the like, exact same oh thing. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Uh, honestly, if, if I, first of all, I'm rarely out that late, but at least like once or twice a year, I have friends that want to go out that late and we're, go and then we see it and we're like, no. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Yo, there was a bachelorette party at Paradise on Friday and they were so well behaved. 
Oh, nice. Maybe the pandemic's changing people. I know. I was so surprised. That's like the one thing I love about the pandemic is that everyone has to stay feet away. (laughs) Stay back. Stay away from Yeah, Yeah, I love it. It's the best. So I'm going to start a little bit about um, performing. How did you come to perform? What was your first performance like? Is it, I, I assume, nerve wracking to say the least? Um, and whoever wants to start, feel free. Should we just go like in the same order, all like for every question? <laughs> I think it's yeah, well, keep it simple, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, like I said, I started performing about six years ago. I remember my first performance being at the now closed, has been closed, Den Nightclub. Oh, in, love the Den, love the Den. Uh, you've been to the Den, Amy? Of uh, course I've been to the Den. Yes. Uh, how, how was the show when you, how was the show the first time you went? <laughs> I think I was there on like a lesbian night. I think I went for like lesbian nights. Yeah. And then, and then, and then saw one too many lesbian fights and was like, why am I driving this far? Always. I want to see, a, I want to see a lesbian fight. Right? <laughs> oh. oh, very easy. We can make that happen. We have to just up, give a lot of Coors Lights and uh-huh. somebody has to make it the wrong way. The longer see, the day Amy, goes, the better chance see, you have. Amy, this happening. is how you get sponsored. Start a Patreon. <laughs> And start putting that content on your Patreon. Right. Next episode. Although the lesbian community, I'm going to get beat up for talking about the lesbian community that way. Only fans for lesbian fights call it only hands. Stop. So my first performance at the Den Nightclub for Alexis Millian's Diva's Den Showcase. It I was wearing a polka dotted cor- ruffled corset with red streamers attached to it. Um, tights that didn't tights that did not match um, whatsoever. I had basically clogs on and a lovely uh, burgundy wave, wavy wig. Um, it was like very very nerve wracking, very very um, scary. Mainly because during my performance, I knew that my heel was slipping off and I did a kick and my heel went flying by somebody's face and hit, um, almost hit one of the mirrors that were like close by to the entrance uh, to the den. I'm like, oh, well, the entrance to the, uh, to the dance floor. Rest, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I, I, I almost killed somebody my first night. <laughs> Brandon. And were people um, were people kind to you? Um yes. Yes, because I was one of the new girls and because I I gave off this energy of being welcome, like being welcome, being nice, being cordial, being kind. Um and being that I clearly stood out uh, from everybody, um no one knew how to no one I would say nobody knew if they could be like catty to me. And so they just they just mama bared me. They just made sure I was okay and made sure I was fine. So um, overall, the performance was it was nerve wracking. I had fun though. It was it was like I was gonna say it was like drugs. Uh, my first time doing it, did it again. So six years later, here we are. And you were in your early twenties. You were in your early twenties doing it yes. for the first yeah. time. Yeah. I wasn't like everybody else uh, sneaking out at like 15 to the bars and clubs starting to perform. I waited till I was 21 and that was not directed at anybody that may be talking next. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was seven. What a now. segue. <laughs> See, I love segue. Perfect. Hey, my favorite brand. <laughs> um, I got started. Uh, actually, it was kind of more so in high school. I was really fascinated with like costuming and makeup and things like that. So I decided to do drag on a dare on Halloween when I was 17. And then I hadn't done it from 17 to like maybe I was about 18 or 19. And uh, and my friends told me you should like you know you should try to do like a competition and, and just try to do drag. So I said, all right. And I said I was going to do my first competition in Long Island outside of New Jersey, because if I embarrassed myself, at least I didn't have to do it in front of people that I knew. So I did a show at the Long Island Eagle and it was a competition. And when I got there, everyone was 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 really nice to me. Um, I did the competition and surprisingly, I, I won my, my first time. And after that, they weren't they weren't so nice. I think they were just kind of upset that someone from out of town came and, and, and beat them at their own competition, like their own bar. Um, but after winning, I kind of had like a bit of a drive to to continue doing drag. Um, I did some competitions at the Den nightclub. Um, and then I would just go out a lot in drag. I kind of slowed down with doing competitions and more just so went out in drag just so I had a reason to practice doing makeup and things like that. Um, and I started frequenting this nightclub called Deco Lounge. Um, that's where I met my drag mother. Deco Lounge then became Icon Lounge. They had a pageant, which I competed in, and then I won the title of Miss Icon. And then from there, I did Miss Paradise, and I won uh, Miss Paradise in 2016. And that's kind of how like my whole drag career kind of took off, I guess. Took off. I think it's so funny you said the thing. So I just assumed you were you, that maybe you would you were from Long Island. So it's funny that you went to Long Island to not so you wouldn't see anybody <laughs> um, the first time um, you did it. Because I was that's like, a, that's the smartest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something happens where like my wig falls off, where my clog falls off. Um, I wouldn't have to do it in front, in front of. She said clog. So <laughs> when I hear clog, I just think wooden clog. Um, <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself in front of my friends. So just in case, you know, I didn't want anyone. I didn't want to have any stories out there in my uh, in the community that I go I go out in. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Just as a gay person, my first bars were never any bars in New Jersey. They were always bars in New York. Just, you know, like Monsters was my first bar. There used to be this bar, Nanny's. Um, that was this a little rough, less bar. But um, but I, none of my first bars were ever in New Jersey, even though, it, and, and which is funny because Esbury Park had gay bars, but they, they were never my first I, bars. My first bars were always New York. Yeah. And can I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. Was Monster racist back then? <laughs> I don't, was it racist? I, I will say Monster's <laughs> never taken kindly to women. No. If it's all, it, it may have also not take kindly to people of color, but I can vouch for the fact that it didn't love wi- a bunch of lesbians, sporty lesbians walking in. That was I, it more, was immediately yeah. like, yeah. eat. Okay. Right. That was a management issue more than it was an ownership issue. I think they just kind of, okay. um, I think they kind of just, weren't watching the store and we're letting the management do whatever they wanted kind of thing. Cause it, okay. No, no, so you had, a terrible, you had a terrible experience at monsters. <laughs> no. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you uh, were up to date on the happenings with monster. I want to say about a year ago, year and a half Eight, ago, three years ago. Um, it was a couple years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. There was an issue with the owner uh, the owner had an issue with um, one of the parties where one of the parties had a couple of people of color on their flyer. 
Um, I don't remember if it was management that said, um, I don't remember if it was management that said that, um, that the people of color on the flyer uh, didn't look didn't look a certain type of way. Yeah, look. they weren't attractive or something. They weren't they weren't attractive oh, wow. and yeah, and owner kind of doubled down on that and say and saying that they didn't want to bring that type of clientele into Monster. And when you say that type of clientele, with, when there's people of color on the flyer, right, I'm get an image of what kind of uh, clientele okay. they're talking about. So, yeah, and just uh, to clarify, I was at Monsters in 1997 <laughs> or 1998. It was many, many years ago. Mon- Mon- Monsters or Mon- wait, wait, Mon- the one on Christopher Street. Monster. Am I okay. saying the name of it wrong? Same bar. You're, you're saying Monsters. I'm like, you never no, know. No, Monster. I know. I was. I wasn't there. I only went there a couple times when I first came <laughs> I, 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 I would be the type of asshole to open up a bar right next to it called Monsters. Happy <laughs> 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 Richard, I think it's Celestina's turn to tell us about how she got started. Yes. I'll own yeah, a bar on the other side that just is Munster. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we just have an entire block of just Munster related bars. Um, all my, all my uh, experience growing up has always been in the performing arts. I've always been a huge theater kid. Um, and so I've been doing shows for a while. I'd gone to college for theater and um and drag was never something that i think anyone expects to go into it's always just a weird fun thing that you try once and then for whatever reason you just keep going with it um because red had been putting me in drag for here and there for a couple years um but the first time i really did drag was um uh at montclair university they were throwing uh a ball and so, uh, which I believe Vivacious yeah. was head judge of. Um, and so I got all done up for that. And I walked a couple of categories and took home nothing but experience. But it was such a blast to me. Um, and then my first time performing a number was at Georgie's for uh, Lady Marissa's Glitter and Glam competition, uh, however many years ago. And um, I blacked out. Not in, but I got. <laughs> I just was like so, uh, like nervous about performing, and then I, and then they she introduces my name, and it just went dark, and I didn't come to till I was back in the dressing room, and I was just like, "What happened? What did I do? What? Huh?" And then oh. I ended up winning that night, so it was. So I guess there it worked. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like that's how it kind of always is. Like when you're on stage, you kind of like black out and you don't really remember being on stage. And then you get off and you come to and you're like, oh, how did I do? Da, 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 da. And then you like go back and watch a video of yourself. And you're like, I don't remember doing any of this. It's a really bizarre thing, but it's also kind of. Yeah, it's the same kind of uh, thing about like how like before the show, you're like, oh man, I'm going to take it easy tonight. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Then you hit that stage. Your adrenaline goes. People start cheering for you. People start calling out for weird things for you to do. Yeah. And you just you just go with it because you'll do whatever you need to to make a dollar or to make sure someone has a good time. Yeah. And I, I've kind of heard a theme here, uh, which I can relate to, and I'm sure Michael can as well, which is like 
people looking out for you, people being your drag mom, people mama bearing you, um, which I think is something, you know, throughout, throughout that happens throughout the gay community. It certainly was something mm -hmm. that happened um, for me, just it, women just looking out and making sure I was, I was doing well in my early twenties and um, not causing too many of those bar fights, right. That, um, <laughs> that, that people were causing. Mm -hmm. um, and ha have there been people like that for you in, in your lives that have been ensuring that you've kind of stayed on the right track and, and lifted you up when you were, when you were down? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, I, I know for me, me. I, no. I, oh my God. Go ahead. Um, for me, uh, definitely people like Lady Marissa was always a huge support. Um, Harmonica Sunbeam is another one who's always been uh, a mentor for me. Um, but then mostly it's just been the, local sisterhood you yeah. know yeah yeah from, i uh my mom from has and i met her at at deco lounge one of the first times i started going out it was halloween actually and i was dressed up as the most hideous victoria's secret angel you'll ever see in your life <laughs> and uh she took me under her wing and she she tried to show me the ropes of, of drag and makeup and everything and i was very adamant about learning everything myself just so I would have like my own, I guess, unique image. But she was always there for me, like financially or like mentally, emotionally as a mom, a second mom rather, when I needed her. And, and like, like Lady Celestina said, also the Asbury Park system. Um, and then when I transitioned into New York City, it was almost like I got a bunch of drag moms all at the same time. But instead of it being um, about, you know, emotional support and things like that, it was more so helping me get started and bringing me out and helping like teaching me how to promote myself and work the, the ropes of New York city nightlife. So that I've, I've been super thankful for. Um, I'll echo what Chelsea and Jolene were saying. Asbury Park community has really been my uh, shoulder when I needed it, um, especially coming up in this scene, especially coming up in this scene. Um, same with Jolita. Victoria Cortez and my drag mother, she hasn't taught me a goddamn thing, but she, <laughs> yep, she, she yells at me when I need to be yelled at, just the same yeah. as um, Jolene and Salcida. They'll put me in my place when I need to be. Um, and I can really concur with what Jolene said about the New York drag scene, because it's so much, it is so different from New Jersey. You really do have to be, um, you have to know your brand, you have to be on top of yourself, you have to promote yourself, you have to be your own business. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very different from what you see here in Jersey where you don't really have, you really don't have that. So you really don't have that many people that know how to like promote themselves as a business. Right. So coming into that scene as well, um, I kind of had to say the experience Joanna had. And when you say that, like you're, just so I understand what you're saying, for my edification, like in New York, you can make a living being a drag queen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And in New Jersey, that's, that's more difficult. Is that, is that a little bit what I'm hearing? Yeah. So just because New Jersey, we only have about, I think maybe three or four gay nightclubs in the whole state. Whereas New York city, they have like four gay nightclubs on every block. So a lot of times yeah. queens go and they'll do, 
um, a show, like they'll start their show off doing like a morning brunch and then they'll do like a midday show and then they'll do, um, you know, like two shows at night and you know, the Queens in New York City are doing three to four shows a day, five, six days a week. And they're bringing in so much money that they're able to sustain themselves living in New York City, which is is pretty expensive. Whereas in New Jersey, it's 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 different because we don't have as many establishments, and the very few that we have left are are being affected by COVID. So we don't even know if those are going to stay. Open. You know, we've lost so yeah. many. With at the same time, um, a lo- most of the clubs are in shore towns, and so yeah, yeah. really, you get most of your business during the summer anyway. Hmm. That's true. Um, yeah, it's season things, New Jersey. One of the things Paradise just recently did started. I feel like uh, I'm friends with Doug um, and JoJo. I feel like Paradise just recently did a drag show after obviously not doing one for some time. Am I am I correct in that assessment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, you are. They've um, they've been they were doing a Saturday night show, and usually Miss Paradise does has every Friday, but at this point it was more about kind of making sure the business was sustained. So they had a Saturday night show that um, Victoria Cortez and I know Jolina did a couple and a couple formers and they just tried to keep it mixed up and they had two shows. Um, and I think they were probably, I would say, close to sold out or, or sold out every, I think they've done it for the past five weeks. Yes, Jolina, yeah. do you think? Yeah, the, the past five weeks I did a show. Um, right even rotating and it's the turnout has been real like really good yeah and i've gone and it's been great i mean they've been they've been making money and um they've been i mean they're beyond strict about the rules i mean they're they're everybody's been really following them but they're beyond um if it's kind of like erring on the side of caution that's what i say they're doing and now with the new restrictions i mean it's kind of like we all know why it's happening. People I think are just getting COVID fatigue and they're having a lot of house parties and we know where it's happening and who's doing it. And it's unfortunate, but Amen. You know, it, it is what it is after all this time, you know, there's, it's obviously they're not going to change. Um, but I know that paradise now is doing their shows are going to be at seven 30 and they're going to do one show. But I mean, I, I still think they're going to probably pack people in because people are just looking for somewhere where they can kind of, have that vessel to see your performance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have to say Paradise has been one of the businesses that have has really knocked it out of the ballpark, as has Tides. Tides, yeah. you know, I, I have I have I don't believe I've ever gotten a complaint about either one. And if I did, it was pretty uh minuscule in terms of what the complaint was. So we should give um, kudos to them. And also Georgie's. I've, I've had more complaints about Georgie's, but they're also doing a good job, Georgie's. We love <laughs> Joe and we love Georgie's. Right. So we want to give credit to um, to all of our gay establishments in Esbury Park for truly knocking it out of the ballpark during COVID, speaking yeah. of. So you, you've performed for five years, six years, 13 years, and then March hit. And so Michael and I, and I've talked about this on a lot, a lot of them podcast, um, you know, my experience during that was like, everybody followed the rules Friday night. Nobody followed the rules Saturday night. The, the city government shut the city down Sunday night because nobody was following the rules. And then governor Murphy followed us Monday or Tuesday, you know, it, you know, right. that was some, I'm going to get these dates wrong, but like March 13th, 14th and 15th. Yeah. That, it was that's about kind that. of how, yeah, yep. that that's kind of what we saw. Um, and 
you know, and then it, it shut down. So, you know, I'd love to hear about what that has done to you in terms of performing and then being shut down for a period of time and what it's like going back. Um, Jolene, I feel like I saw a Facebook post where you were describing that you had just started to kind of come back to performing. So I would love to hear those, how long you've been performing, what it was like not performing, um, and what was the first experience back? And, um, and go however, you, you don't have to be as organized. If you have something to say, just say it. Don't feel oh, like, like you gotta. Like, like my calendar, my dates, I'm like, uh. <laughs> oh, my my last show was third was Saturday, March, 14th and it was in new york city um and it was at a bar called playhouse and they had as soon as i got there um that's when it kind of hit me like the severity of everything because they said that the governor was was uh claiming he was going to shut down all the, the bridge and tunnels going in and out of new york city which was which was the talk so i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to get home that was my last show and um, were people social distancing that night because march 14th in asbury park I can I can tell you unequivocally people were not social distancing. <laughs> As can I? That's right. Yeah, March that that day they weren't social distancing because nothing okay. had been officially shut down yet. But mm -hmm. the, it was like right when the virus was like was starting to become like a really serious thing. So I guess it, it hadn't hit anybody yet. But um, no one social distance distanced. I came home that night. I got home around four o'clock. Went to bed. Woke up. And when I woke up, everything was was done. Um, that following. Friday, I believe, um, was going to be the debut show of our new Miss Paradise, Olivia Lux. But um, everything was shut down, all the bars, all the establishments, and I didn't do any shows or anything for March, April, May, June, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, about like six or seven months. And uh, I did my first show on... October, the week before Halloween. Um, and it hit me when I did my first show, like, uh, wow, I, I wasn't doing this like I normally was three nights a week. I hadn't done this in months. I was like immediately out of breath. I was sick. They had to get me Tums. It was a disaster. I mean, I look good on stage, I hope, but I, I felt so out <laughs> of shape. <laughs> I was out of shape. I was backstage, like breathing, hyperventilating. It wasn't fun, but it was, it was definitely a a, a different atmosphere than what I'm used to because during my shows, I'm so used to being up, being able to go up to people and take tips and interact with the audience. Whereas at Paradise and every establishment now, the audience is so far away from you and you can't take money mm -hmm. out of your hands. And it's, it's a different thing. And I've only done one show, so I'm not hundred percent comfortable with it yet, but uh, it'll take, it'll take some time. And did you have, so if you're doing three shows in a week and then you do no shows for six months and then you go back and do a show, I imagine you're back to being really anxious, some yeah. anxiety about getting back up on stage. And I mean, those are that to me, like when I watch performers what and, and whether it's drag or, or we had Pamela Flores, who's a singer songwriter, like that one person on the stage is so exposing. I, I don't know how you do it. And I, I'm a person who, who can talk in front of a room of people and stuff, but that just feels so exposing to me in a different way. Yeah. It kind of felt like doing drag all over again at the, at, yeah. because, you know, when you're not doing it for that long, you, you, you tend to forget how to do your makeup and how to, how to style things. And I, I had to make a checklist to make sure, you know, am I bringing everything to the gig? Is there anything I'm forgetting? And, and just like little things. 
and you get really nervous up until the point where you go on stage. And then it's like, as soon as you get on stage, like Celestina said, you kind of like black out and it just came back like second nature, almost like riding, almost like riding a bike. Um, And I got on the mic and I I was super nervous about getting on the mic because I'm like, you know, what if I forget like all of my go-to jokes and it's just like this awkward silence. But as soon as I got on stage, it all just kind of like came back out of nowhere. And I, I, other than the physical condition, I guess, mentally I I ended up (laughs) being okay. But uh, definitely pull on your body when you're when you're doing cardio and, and high energy numbers three four times a week for months years on end and then you just out of nowhere cold turkey have to stop doing that. And everybody else's experience about going back? Um, I let's see. I my last gig was right before the shutdown, so like that same week. Um, ever. I had like a brunch or something and then everything shut down. Um, and I think like most people, I was thankful to be, uh, be given a free vacation, a free break from work and all that stuff. Um, because at the time I, I was working because, uh, with all my other part-time jobs plus drag and so many other things, like I was working seven days a week. And so I could not have been more relieved to be given like two, three, three weeks off just to sit and veg and fix uh just calm my body down um but pretty soon I I I missed it and I want to be back in it and as I said kind of at the beginning of this that like a major goal of mine has always been to make drag as accessible as possible um and so I was really kind of one of the earlier queens to start doing live streams I was, I jumped on my, I, I painted for something for, I was filming something else and I painted and then I was just like, let me go on live just for the heck of it. And then there was just this huge amount of people that tuned in. And after that, I was doing um, Lady Celestina's Bravo Roulette every week, every Thursday at eight o'clock. Um, and I, I like how you plug. I like how you still plug it, even though like, <laughs> I plug a show that no <laughs> because I did it for Eastern so long. Standard time. I <laughs> tune in. Um, the videos are probably still up on Facebook. Let's be honest. Unless right. They're muted because of copyright, but they're still up there, so they look great. Um, and so I was doing that from really the first week of April through the first week of July. And then I so had you, my first- So you got right back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I, day of what would have been Asbury Pride in June, there were all those live streams that were happening because Paradise, Paradise did a live stream. Um, Red and I had a show that we did that night. Um, I had a couple other live streams that I like had submitted things for. Um, and New by Jersey the time Pride Red and I- a live stream, I think as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and by the time I got to Red and I show, which was at like eleven o'clock at night, yeah. mind you, um, her and I finished the show Word. at like two a.m. two a.m. <laughs> we finished out the live stream. We're facetiming, and we were just like, we are just as exhausted as we would have been if this was actually Pride. Were you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were so exactly. utterly spent from the day. <laughs> Even though really we weren't appearing on anything truly until that point, but we were just like, cool, all the hosting and the guests and the viewership and all that stuff. And so I, and then my first in-person gig after all that was August. And so I didn't have that much of a break in between. 
And um, where was the, but, where was your gig in August? Uh, the Seafarer in Atlantic Highlands. Oh. oh, how was that gig? It was with um, oh, Olivia and Jan, right? No, that was the second oh. one. I I got the inaugural. Oh, how was it? Was it not good? With Pissy Miles. No, it was great. The audience was phenomenal. It uh-huh. was, I'd never been to that bar. It's an outdoor yeah. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the funniest thing to me was that I, I as all queens always do when they get booked for gigs, right? It's always like, is there going to be a dressing room? What's the my, the music right. situation going to be right. like? Well, no, they actually like, yeah. don't always do that, but it's good that you do. Yeah. That's an important thing you just brought up because, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I'm glad you said that. A lot of girls don't, you know, whenever uh, I've worked with a girl or crowned a girl, I've, I've always said, you know, you can always come to me, but a lot of them, you know, this is a business and you got to know, get your money, see if there's a dressing room, if there's transportation involved. That's exactly right. All those things should be figured out. And if you can get stuff, mm-hmm. if you know, if you can get a ride back and forth, if they're going to pay for an Uber, get it. Yeah, right, very exactly. important you brought yeah. that up. A lot of queens don't do that. And then they'll say, well, I didn't know you could do that because on one hand, they're very forthcoming on stage, but then when they are off stage, totally different person. Yeah, but you it's kind all of learning balance, things, right? Yeah. But you have to balance it. It's still a business. Yeah, yeah. So if you go into and a so, bar, you go into a bar and they short you, you have to be willing to speak up. Right, absolutely. And so I had uh, gotten to that that show, and I was just like, "Oh, where's the dressing room?" Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, the gentleman, he he was just like, "Oh, this way." And um, in case you don't know, uh, <laughs> aside from the seafair being an outdoor bar, it's on the docks of Atlantic Highlands. And so here I am. They're bra- they're like the dressing room this way. We're walking onto the docks, and he goes, "Okay, here's your dressing room." It was on a boat, <laughs> and so here I am, shut like throwing my suitcase onto a onto a boat. I'm like leaping across, I'm, like <laughs> getting into drag, having to leap back off the boat. Because and like in heels with all the all the accoutrements, yeah, it was that was such a funny time, and I was just like, honestly, what a way to come back! What a way to come back! And I feel like you were going there when you were doing my vote by mail video. That's not the same day when you were doing my vote by mail. That is it, the same day? No, hers was uh, the week before, the two weeks before. Mine was after. So, because I looked up that bar because I'd never heard of that bar either. And I was like, oh, this seems not that I leave as very much, but I thought, oh, this seems like a cool bar. Pissy and I were the best right. for her show. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, meet everybody. Uh, I'll see the deal. So they might be bringing it back next summer if things allow it. They so. do have um, a show planned for December, which is going to be mm-hmm. fascinating. They're planning, they're planning a show. The whole bar is outdoor. The whole bar is outdoor. But there's a lot of like, um, I, I believe they have like blankets and stuff that they have out there. They have fire pits, they have heaters. It's a, it's a really nice vibe. Red, what about you? When'd you start? Um, so, so for me, it was a, it was a weird time because after, after the start of COVID, um, I, I wasn't I wasn't working, so drag drag and sewing costumes was my uh, main source of income. So when everything shut down, I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I, I can't go to my clients for costumes. I my shows are uh, gone. I'm basically out of income. 
Um, I think the last show that I did in person before COVID hit was, um, was probably Hell's Kitchen Lounge up in Newark. Um, and funny thing, Hell's Kitchen Lounge closed before the uh, actual <laughs> Hell's Kitchen Lounge closed before uh, we got the word too close just because of some internal happenings that I may not be able to speak mm-hmm. on camera about. Should also, should also <laughs> elaborate, Hell's Kitchen Lounge is not in Hell's Kitchen. It Hell's Kitchen Lounge is in Newark, New Jersey, um, right by the arena. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's I love confusing the I've gotten arrested. Got again, got oh, arrested did I hear somebody got arrested? Oh, no. hold, hold, hold my story. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> hold my story. I want to hear this. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it wasn't me that got arrested. Jolena. So let's just start there. And it wasn't Your really name is Jolena right there. <laughs> it was talking to by, by, by Newark's finest police department. But Red, back to you. thank you Jolena Um, so I was like everything is closing everything is closing down Um, I can't get to any clients I'm 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 out of luck I'm shit out of luck Um, so it was it was a little disheartening for everything to be for for everything to be happening Um, but like Lady Celestina I started getting into doing virtual shows which is a hell of an adjustment um, because you go from performing on stage in front of uh, one person, maybe to a hundred to a hundred people, to being in your kitchen or your bedroom, uh, being in a finite space and performing in front of a camera, and it's really not—it's it's not the same thing. It's and also, drag thing. queens were expected not only to be our own mic- makeup artists and hairstylists and costume designers and choreographers and. DJs, but now we had to know sound. We had to know how Facebook we had to be a tech knew person. how to upload things. <laughs> we had to be our own tech department. And uh, I, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of queens, though, that I know from different parts of the country and different parts of the world, though, um, they've told me specifically, actually, some of the, the girls from Drag Race Holland, they've said they really enjoyed being able to go online and kind of become their own tech person and audio person because they were exposed to an entirely different audience that they wanted to, the, the audience wanted to see them, but they weren't touring. So they got to connect with the audience, but in a different way. Do you guys, do you guys, are you kind of glad, not that COVID happened, but that you were able to kind of expand your your repertoire and know how to do kind of some of this backstage stuff now? 100%. I mean, I, 100%. Yeah. So, so I, I can't that i think so uh, one of my questions was how you know and I, I personally have gotten some good things out of COVID as well in the sense that all those meetings that i went to in person i didn't need to because right. we <laughs> conference call me in right i don't need to come um so and also i'm i'm not a still person i'm not a person who I mean, I'm in a book. I read one book a month because I've been in a book club for 15 years, but I'm not a still person who who does that. I'm a let's go do this and let's go do this and let's go do this and then let's go do this. Um, so this has been I, I've had a number of good experiences with COVID that it's forced me to reflect on, you know, what's yeah. important. What what do I want to show up to? What don't I want to yeah. show up to? And, you know, in, in some ways. I, I I walked away from COVID 
I, we're still in it, but I've walked away from it <laughs> a better person. I'm like, where did you go? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll definitely say that it's, it, it, it is and still will be a learner experience because sitting, sitting at home in your room for uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, uh, not being able to go anywhere, you get that time to uh, reflect on yourself. Yeah. You get the time to see, um, look at your life and see what you want to do to improve it. This is the time to improve. This is the time to do whatever you need to like make things happen for yourself. Um, Cause it, it's easy to let a lot of things go by the wayside um, when you're busy, when you're out always doing something, when you're always hanging out with friends, when you're always working, when you always got something else to do. But since this is a time where you ain't got shit to do, why not take a chance to look at your life and see what's really important, what you can do to improve it, what you can do to uh, just have a general better well-being of health. So have, having a break from drag, what was that? That, that was really well said. Like, it was put, yeah. put the word. It was well said. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if this rings true for the both of y'all, but um, having a break from drag was a little bit um, I think beneficial because I know at one point in my life I got lost in my drag to the point where that separation from Richard to Red there, there wasn't that line it, was, it became a gray area and it started leaking over into my uh, it started leaking over into my, my boy life I'll say and things started getting muddy and to the point where I would always be worrying about what's next for Red what is she going to be doing? Uh, what is she going to be doing? Where is she going to be? Who is she going to be connected with? Who is she going to be networking with? While Richard is at the wayside, basically drowning. So I got I was able to reflect a lot during this time. So I don't know if that I don't know if y'all feel those sentiments as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, it there was definitely that period of time of. And it was interesting because it wasn't when I wasn't doing drag during it. It was kind of towards the end of the live stream where I, I really sat there and I was just kind of like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why are we doing this? Because really the, the live streams started very strong and then dwindled almost as quickly as they showed up. Um, and so by the time you, June rolled around because around June was when um, things were, re were starting to reopen. Um, people were, it was nicer out. So people were leaving the house more and just going mm -hmm. for walks or spending more time outside. And so viewership would, um, dropped significantly. And so um, it, there was a, a, lar a, a large portion of time where I just sat there and I was contemplating how long to keep doing this for. Um, and uh, where I wanted to be at the end of this and what I wanted to show at the end of this. For, for me, it was, um, it was a little different. It was, uh, I, with like my day job and, and, and taking online classes, drag was like, I was considered drag to be fun, but at the same time, I kind of consider it to be a bit of like my off time. So when it would roll around, really? Yeah, I would 
feel like a bit of my off time because it was always fun to me. So it never really felt like work. So then when it, it, would, it would roll around to, you know, time to do a show, which I would do like a weekly scheduled show in New York City. Um, and I had like that free time opened up. I was like, well, what do I do now? And I would just, I would try to use that, that now open free time to improve it myself and, and really focus on Todd. Cause I feel like um, a lot of drag queens kind of tend to neglect who they are outside of drag. So now that I had that extra bit of time, it was, it was good to, to really focus and reflect on me and like what I wanted to do and my health and things mm-hmm. like that. One thing that I thought's been really interesting that, uh, you know, I think all three of you have talked about is, is education and drag. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just like a little wondering where that comes from. Is it something that you wish you had? Is it, you know, like, are um, you know, on some level, like our coming out stories, like some of them were pleasant, some of them were unpleasant. Um, but we want everybody to know that, you know, we've all, we all have this in common. Every gay person has a coming out story, no question about it. And if you feel the desire to do drag, we want to make sure that we shepherd you through um, this process in a way that you have a good experience. Mm. So I don't know, each one of you talked about the education, how, how your end game, which I think is admirable and, and amazing, is education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of, that is kind of like what I base a lot of my happening to drag on. Uh, not because I wish I had somebody to teach me the ropes in the beginning. It was more so in reaction to um, getting into the drag community and I guess the gay community uh, in a whole and seeing how uh, how catty it is, how uh, aggressive it is, how um, rude individuals can be to generally anybody, but specifically when it comes to drag queens, like newer queens coming in to the scene and um, not knowing what to do and or um, having a separate idea of what their drag is going to be that is, um, that's against what the drag scene is that they're in. Um, so I've seen, I've seen plenty of queens get turned away and stop doing drag because they didn't feel like they were um, wanted, they didn't feel like they were uh, accepted in the drag scene or the drag was accepted. Um, so like one of my main things is like fostering that and uh, letting individuals know that you're fine, you're valid, what you're doing is important. Um, no matter where you are within the scene, you're, you're, you should stay in that scene and do what you need to do to make sure you uh, become a pillar in that scene because you're going to inspire the next generation, the next, uh, the next generation of drag. Um, because these two can attest and everybody that's going to be watching this uh, podcast, hopefully, I know they will because they love us, they will watch this podcast, um, will know that I am a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an oddball and I definitely do not fit into a, a bit, yes, a, a small bit of an oddball. <laughs> and I don't fit into the drag, I didn't fit into the drag scene here in Jersey. Um, but people didn't have a choice but to accept me because I wasn't going anywhere. So I kind of became that, uh, thanks for the talk about sorry. Uh, I kind of became that, um, not not a black sheep, but somebody, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I became a person of color sheep. 
Let me ask you all a question. I know each of you yeah. to varying degrees, and I've I've seen all of you perform many times. Do you all you all have very different aesthetics, and um, all of your aesthetics are completely valid and but they're very representative of what I think a lot of drag is. The Broadway drag is always so fierce. Jolena does that typical high drag that people just, you know, where, wherever you go, you just fall in love with it. Right. And Red does that off the beaten path kind of drag. Do you all feel in Jersey that your drag is valid? And do you, that, do you do feel accepted? Because I've been in this, in this um, community a long time. And I remember the girls that came before you and some of you, some of them, did feel accepted some of them did not and some of them like red said never really made it so do you guys feel that now you are accepted do you feel that you you're accepted within the community we have now um i mean i think per personally i i feel accepted um just to really quickly touch on where the red said i think a lot of people don't realize especially people who aren't in the drag scene they don't realize that the drag community is still very segregated because there are so many drag um, I think that in New Jersey, because we don't have that many bars and establishments, our sisterhood is a little bit more more tight knit and close, whereas we all know each other. So um, versus somewhere like New York City, where there's so many different types of drag and, and, and nightclubs and things like that. I can't speak for anyone else. I mean, I personally feel accepted, but that's just my own personal. Yeah, there's queens in New York City that don't even know each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, some are up, some perform uptown and some are all the way downtown and never the tween shall meet. They don't have any interaction at all. It's it's so different when you go there as Very opposed to being in Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you a story that actually just happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um I was at, I had a I had a show on Saturday down in Belmar. Um and after I decided to go uh, in in full in full drag, go and join the. I know. Uh, I'm pausing on Belmar for a second. Burying the lead. In Belmar, they have drag shows. As most people yes. do, right? I yes. It was Where? fun. We're starting it. It's going to be a monthly thing, and we'll talk more about it later. Where but, is it? Um, Sagel's Cafe. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's at a cafe, not a bar. It's a really okay. great environment for all all types of people. Okay. But anyway. Um, so afterwards, because uh, Biden had just won mm -hmm. that day, and I wanted to go join in the revelry of uh, partying it up with everyone else at Georgie's, so I show up in full drag. And um, there, and in, in case you don't know who I am when you're listening to this, um, I don't wear wigs. I've historically never worn a wig. Mm -hmm. um, I my signature thing is I wear top hats with all of my looks. Um, and so I was out at Georgie's and there was some random drunk gay who started giving me the, uh, why don't you wear wig speech? Um, and there were people at Georgie's that like jumped in and were like, we're still talking about this. What? This is old news. Like she's been mm -hmm. doing this for a while and now you're just joining in with this, mm -hmm. um, which was extremely, uh, it, it really almost made me cry because like, it was one of those moments that I, uh, it, because it, cause it's not, it's always hard to feel like you're accepted for a while. Right. Because you yourself always feel so isolated and yeah. su such an outsider, whether it's being a newcomer or 
a person of color or just in your own sexuality or whatever it is. Right, right, right. Right. And so going to these spaces, you're, you kind of almost immediately put yourself in whatever box you feel like doesn't Mm -hmm. fit in that space, whether it does or doesn't. And, um, and so that was like a huge moment for me to, 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 to hear that, Mm -hmm. to hear that, that really wonderful verbal acceptance. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's a great story. I know. And we are, we are reaching close to our hour, but there's some questions that we always ask people. So I'm going to ask some of those questions just so we stay consistent. Um, And you guys might be a little well, you might be a little young, but maybe not. Um, we usually talk about favorite places in Asbury that are now gone. Or people. We can do people or places. Uh, oh, lots of um, pauses. Um, I, I, guess the, I guess one of the only places that kind of don't exist anymore that I was going to, not turn 21, was Cascada. Cascada, uh, La Sierra. Uh-huh. On Main Street? Yeah. They had the, the most amazing drag performances there late at, on like a Monday or Tuesday. Monday I forget now. I went with my friend Stephen Frias, but yeah. they had the most amazing performances on a yeah. very random night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. It'll, it'll um, be there. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I'm going to list a person. Um, there was this guy named John Dowens who was just friendly with everybody in, in the Asbury community. And he would always come out and just show su- support at all of our shows. He, uh, he passed away during, during quarantine. Um, but I, I would say he's probably one of, one of my favorite people. And I'm going to give you all, before you go, Celestine, I'm going to give you all a little bit of trivia. John Dowens, when he was probably 21, before Cascada was Cascada, there was a manager of Paradise named Paul Busher. Paul bought the building that was Cascada and it was Paulie's pub and John. I remember what it was Paulie's pub. John Dowen was a bartender there when he was just turned, he had just turned 21 and he was where, and that's where I met John. Mm -hmm. And we started all hanging out together. Yeah. So yeah, there was a time where we had Georgie's, we had Paulie's, we had anybody's, anybody's, we had paradise. I mean, there was a, there was a, a, and, and not everybody went to everything, but I certainly went, and I'm sure you did as well, Michael. I mm. went from Georgie's, and then when a new bar opened like Polly's, which probably, I don't even know that they lasted two years. Not even one. Not even one. <laughs> okay, that makes sense Christ. to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you would go from Georgie's, and you'd be like, oh my God, a new gay bar opened yeah. up, which was like, holy shit. Right, and so you right. all went you all went to Polly's. No, I remember Polly's. Well, well, the night the cameo reopened, I mean, you would have thought it was New Year's Eve. Yeah, we were packed in there. Packed. I remember cameo. I when I started coming out, my first first ever bar in Asbury was a bar called Swell, which is now Porta. Of course, I know. We oh, of course, swell. Michael knows. Yes. It, first of all, it was the strip because it was Circuit Cruising, yeah, and then I think yep. it eventually became Swell. But correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. But there was there was what we called the strip. Right. Right. You right. Would go <laughs> and you'd hit Circuit or Cruising, and yep. then. Uh, and was it swell before? It was after zippers on the corner, wasn't it? Zippers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a strip bar. It was a tiny male strip bar, but swell like like cruising and circuit was really big. And then when it became swell, like you go in there and I'd say, "Can I get a vodka tonic?" And then you sip it. You're like, "This is tequila." You didn't know what you were getting. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Back versus mine." It was like it was just very different. 
Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. whatever drink they were in the middle of making. And they would tell you, just take it. You're like, all right. <laughs> and you just you just shut the fuck up and took yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, okay. What the fuck are you right, doing? right. It's all it's alcohol. It's right, exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna bring up one other thing that I don't bring up that that and I'm trying to be quick about it. So I have found over the last 20 years that during it at the very least pride but also connie's i'm going to call it toys for tots and she's going to get irritated because it's not (laughs) toys whatever it's called right Um, right. i would see people in assless chaps like over the years over the years and as the years progressed people are wearing less assless chaps (laughs) maybe (laughs) rightfully so i'm not that's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> <Amy> <laughs> so that's totally where I'm going. And I'm telling you, people are wearing less assless chaps over the years. And I, I'm not really sure what that's about, but I'm noticing even at Pride, I, nobody wears assless chaps anymore. They're just now naked. they just show up naked at Pride. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, very true. Very true. <laughs> There was, it's so funny. There was actually a man that always used to come to paradise and my mom would come with me and he would always walk around and ask his chaps and she would, oh, she's still to this day. She oh, was older guy. He was older and shorter. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He always said, where, whatever happened to the guy with Ashley's chaps. And I'm just like, I, he just stopped, stopped showing up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he ruined Ashley's chaps and doesn't feel comfortable. Maybe he did. But anyway, I miss them. I will say that. Um, somebody should bring them back not me at 44 but somebody should um okay favorite movie i know we stump every time i know we should probably give up this question Um, i feel like every time we ask this question people get stumped anything with Uh, anything with angelina jolie okay yeah for me red for me it's uh crazy rich asians and over the moon on Netflix. Those are my two right now. For me, it's The Shining, obviously, or Kill Bill. Yeah. Oh, Kill Bill, the whole series is great. I just watched that. Um, and that. Michael, I watched the movie that you said on the last time we did this podcast. The Boys in the Band. The Boys in the Band, yes. Yeah. I watched that after you said that that was your favorite The old movie. one or the new one on Netflix? The new one. Should I have watched the old one? It's basically, well, the old one is- It's all the play. <laughs> Yeah, the the old one is basically it's the same thing, but um, it's a great story. Great story. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I liked it very much. I was glad that you recommended it. Yeah, sure. Um, Amy, I love your shirt, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Sometimes I get grief for it, but you know. Okay. Um, Favorite place to do drag. Oh, uh, favorite place to do drag. Favorite place to do drag, and we're five minutes over, so you got to go quick. Paradise. Wherever pays me. <laughs> uh, um, I, believe, I love that answer. You don't have a favorite place? No? My, my favorite place? Uh, um, uh, the Elks Lodge. I'll say that. <laughs> that's, a story for, that's a story for another time. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, in Asbury, the Elks Lodge? No, uh, this was down in this was in Ocean County, down in Tom's River. Was it? Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. It's, <laughs> yeah. Right. That same. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We we were well received. Nice. <laughs> there there have to be some gay people in Ocean County, right? 
<laughs> this was this was not for this wasn't a gay event though. It was for a uh I think a 67 woman's year a 67 uh, year old's birthday turning 68. Um she was doing an entire uh poker theme night. She wanted to have drag queens there. Uh-huh. Uh, so wow, this story gets also more and more interesting. Yes, These are also some of the most the best games the women, when you just yeah. don't understand why you're actually there. <laughs> your favorites. Just as an accessory to whatever else is happening. Right. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you, Michael, for doing this of podcast course. with Always. me. Much, much, much appreciated. We are trying to actually get Joe Cole to do a podcast, but every time I text him, he's like, I don't know Zoom. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, Joel. I, I mean, I can write you directions, you know? <laughs> Um, just so we hit like all of the gay venues and I mean, we even got Ryan to do it. Who was like, yeah, a while back. Right. Yeah. Ryan so, knows, but did, Ryan you, knows who? but did you get him Barely. to shut up is the question. Barely. Say it again. <laughs> stop talking is the question. No. Yeah. Did, did Ryan stop talking? No. Um, Ryan had this really funny story about, I have to say this, I, cause I thought about it days after and then I'm going to cut it, but he talked about what it's like throwing people out when they're already outside, right? So there's like this dramatic thing about kicking somebody outside of tides when they're inside and you open the door and you kick them out. And then he described that when they're already outside and it was far less satisfying. To do. Less um, satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a hoot. He was a hoot on that. So thank you all so much.